0: Radio WDPR96.3, your favorite dimensional radio station. Now, I don't scare, but when it comes to the candle maker, I bring all the firepower I can think of here on Doom Patrol Radio.
1: Welcome back, nobody, to your favorite Doom Patrol Radio podcast this side of the painting. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about episode one of season three, which is called Possibilities Patrol. And wow, uh, it's great. It's great to be back, Nate. I don't know uh, how you're feeling today, but it's almost like getting hit by a train by just the sudden realization that we're back into this Doom Patrol fiasco. Yeah, we kind of got uh, tossed, tossed right into it. Um, good to be back. Good to
0: Good to uh, be back. What's a, what, how do you say that? What's the what's the sports guy say? Good to be back, Mark. Um, anyway, <laughs> felt like we got hit by a train. I wouldn't say train. Maybe a truck. A truck. Uh, you know, a big, big truck. How, how about a plane? That's on <laughs> That's that's in the vein, right? That's in the that's in the vein of transportation. Just a just a big. We got hit by a big old public transportation craft, huh? I give should have a, said that's a in good the lane. Give me a good Zeppelin, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just imagine getting hit by a Zeppelin. Just crash they... the Hindenburg right into me, huh? <laughs> That'd be one way to start the show, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this uh, this is episode one of season three. It is directed by Dermot Downs. He also did Donkey Patrol, uh, Danny Patrol, and Ezekiel Patrol, which was the season one finale. So we're back here with... Dermot Downs doing season one or season three, episode one, like a series opener, season I opener, s- Well, if you I will. see where
0: you're going with it, cause really see I-,
1: I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing.
0: Yeah. And it did feel like it. And what we're alluding to is that this episode one of season three um did feel and, and hey, maybe maybe it was supposed to be a uh season finale of, of season two. Yeah, exactly. But I don't write the thing, so I don't know how to do I don't know how these
1: things work, huh? And also, there's a big thing happening around the world. I'm sure everyone knows about it by now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Olympics. And that, <laughs> the Olympics, yes. Congratulations to uh, whoever was in it. I
0: just got cable, Anyways. so I'm kind of catching up on everything. My TiVo is... <laughs> the
1: TiVo is full. It's full. It's, it's tearing at the seams with how much content it has stored in it. My TiVo just re instead of the time it just says tilt. <laughs> you, you think okay. This is probably a tangent, but do you think people probably have certain content saved on their TiVo and they're like it's like VHS types now, but they're like, Here, do you want this TiVo I have? It still has the season no, the I series don't think you finale do of the O C on it.
0: No. I think there was a thing where like they like shut TiVo down and so like all the content went away with it or something. But I don't th- I don't that's <laughs> A preloaded TiVo,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with A treasure trove with of like old cable content, two thousands cable. Yeah, it has got funny. season two of American Idol, every episode. Man, every episode of Ninja Warrior on G four TV. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, today's episode, yes, directed by Dermot Downs. It was also written. By three Doom Patrol writers, you got Tamara Becker, Wilsonson, Wilkinson. You've got Eric Diedel, and you got Shoshana Sachi. Three, like, these are the people. These are the powerhouses. People that make the Doom Patrol. Mark. Yes, it's three of them writing this episode, which is a f- phenomenal. And there's a lot of wrapping up that happens from season two. So yes, it does kind of feel like a season finale. Uh, we're going to get right into it, so if you haven't seen the episode yet, please do, because as soon as the episode starts, things happen. Things get concluded, and from there, it becomes a huge like exploration of, of what has just happened in the beginning of this as we wrap up. And I got to say, uh, like for me personally, I like how it wrapped up and I like that it as far as like a season finale goes I'm just gonna kind of refer to it as that I like that it wasn't a big superhero finale because I know technically it's a superhero show it's a comic book show but Doom Patrol isn't really known for that so when it comes to the resolution of the Candlemaker it doesn't treat it like okay it's a season finale episode we're going to go with a showdown here of Doom Patrol versus the Candlemaker or even Dorothy versus the Candlemaker they do it in the way that Doom Patrol has always become its own genre in in the DC in the Vertigo it becomes this whole thing where it's more about the metaphor the allegory that it is and so and we see that at the end of the episode, as well, something else happens with another character, but the the action isn't always physical. There is physical action implied, but it's meant again. It's meant to be metaphorical about what's happening to the character internally, both mentally and emotionally. So, uh, Nate, how did you or what did you think about today's episode? It was pretty good. Um, I thought the pacing of it for one thing, was
0: freaking excellent, honestly, um, and I want to like, touch on how it it felt, yes, it's the first episode of a season, it felt like it had season finale f- vibes, um, because it probably does, um, you know, and it, it it didn't give anything too heavy-handed, like you were saying, a big showdown, yeah, there wasn't a big showdown, we did get a big showdown at the end of season two we did we just got left on a cliffhanger uh metaphorically and physically um emotionally yeah yeah i would say emotionally all the above um so it was it was really cool how the pacing was able to to catch me personally up with with not having watched it for a year (laughs) Five months. I kind of watched it in between. I watched the season uh, actually twice, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because I was watching it with someone, and it was like, okay, we're going to go back to one. So All right, everybody, safely back to one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it uh, it was pretty cool how I didn't feel like anything was being dragged on, especially the Dorothy and Candle Maker stuff. I mean, it was just pretty... Epic, if I do say so myself, um in a in a good resolution type of way. The the epic battle happened last season and we got it.
1: You know? Um Yeah, we saw it, Jesus it fight robot man. That's yeah, that's when right? you know you can't top the action.
0: And it didn't <laughs> linger. Like it didn't even linger in the in the
1: carnival. You know, we were in and out of there in five minutes or so, you know? Yeah. So Which I think like a lot of people who get into a superhero show they expect something like that and i'm glad it didn't i'm glad it wasn't a cgi fight or anything like that and not to say not to talk bad about cgi everyone knows i i love my my fair share of cgi but when it comes to the candle maker he's a haunting figure and it's not meant to be you know Dorothy versus the Candlemaker in some imaginary fight. She... The way she resolves the issue with Candlemaker by saying, you know, you're a figment of my imagination and we are going to resolve this because I believe in you. Mm -hmm. And that, like, I believe in you is, is multi layered. Like, I physically manifest you and also I believe that we can be friends. And so that concept... Is is what makes you know, this episode profound, it's what makes the the comics, Doom Patrol, profound. And what happens thereafter with the ultimate death of Niles Calder, spoiler alert. But it's like all of this is what what happens, what has to happen for Dorothy to grow up. And for Niles to let go of his want to live forever so there's a lot going on here which happens right at the beginning of the episode and at first I didn't I didn't really quite understand it like I didn't I knew he was dead and then I it just kind of like hit me like so fast like oh he's he's gone he's dead today. so yeah and mm-hmm. that that to me was was a shock you know I was I was kind of like, wow, she resolved her thing with Candlemaker. That I could understand at the beginning, but the death of him, of of the chief, so quickly, that's what threw me off, and that was a good shock. Like, not to I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm saying that that's well, I mean, that's how you shock someone, right? That's how you open a show. Yeah. So, or I mean, and, electricity that could work. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, and to kind of reference to comic books like this is pulling from the very end of Grant Morrison's run where he introduced a candle maker and Dorothy resolves that problem there as well. And also this starts to introduce the Rachel Pollock run from, I think six uh, issue 64 and onward of that 87 to 95 run of doom patrol. So as far as that. relates like this whole episode seems to be pulling from from the comics like the transition you know what I'm saying like if this episode is a transition from season two to season three it's pulling from probably the best reference that there is which is that Morrison Pollock transition that they did because they both used the whole Candlemaker Dorothy plot line to transition have the resolution of Candlemaker in the Morrison run and then Rachel Pollack takes over and uses Dorothy as the figurehead of the Doom Patrol to then transition into her own stories and I gotta say it is amazing to see Abigail like reprise the role of Dorothy I was sad to see her leave at the end in Danny the Ambulance and my fear is that, like, that's it for Abigail's Dorothy. And I hope that there's more Dorothy. But I feel like... Because they didn't really put her casting in there as, like, a, a, a constant casting. It's more of, like, a guest appearance Abigail. So, that has me worried that we've seen the last of Dorothy for now. But I love the character so much. Even when I rewatched Season 2 of Doom Patrol, I love the character so much. It's one of the best parts of season two. So to see Dorothy's storyline wrapped up in this episode, that's the part that I got the most sad about. Like, I felt just like I wanted to see this character grow more in the series. Like I want Dorothy to grow up. I want Abigail to grow up on the show and like become, you know more of dorothy like just grow up on as a character it's just it was bittersweet because we got to see danny the ambulance and she had her whole resolution with her father um but that was the part that got me the most choked up um what was one of your favorite parts of the show nate one of my favorite parts of this show hmm
0: or this episode specifically one of my favorite uh, parts of this episode specifically, um, uh, there was a lot. So let's go with just literal one of them. Um, in the very beginning, when Rita and Larry were in the kitchen talking after um, the the season two stuff, I guess, if you want to call it, um, and they were uh, talking just about, you know, death in their place and and you know now that they are free from Niles Calder, they can do whatever or do the right thing for dorothy and whatnot and the two of them having the dialogue together is just like real individuals two people that are like that care for each other and that live together and have yeah. lived together for 60 years or what have you um mm-hmm. it just felt so real it felt so comforting um just like platonic housemates i guess if you will i don't want to use um uh spousal because that word just has a very sour taste in my mouth um (laughs) (laughs) so it was just really cool on top of that the music that they used for that part specifically blew me away now i don't know who's listening to this but if it gets to somewhere who had a hand in that rats off and hats off to you that music—it had to have been original because I couldn't find anything about it. It was a bop, and in all meaning of that word, I was—it caught me. It, I had to pause and rewind it and be like, "Whoa, okay." And their cadence that they were talking in was very uh, in stage rhythm. play. It felt so. Oh yeah. It felt like it was. I was watching, and of course, it was you know Rita and and Larry doing it in April, and just the magnanimous. Persona that the two of them have it just felt like a stage performance that I was watching And um, as soon as Dorothy walks down the stairs um, You know Larry's is it is, is, has to divert the conversation because they were talking about rough stuff and it's like hi Dorothy and it was like oh It just felt like uh, it was a home. It felt like it was a like loving and caring home Sitcommy almost but like a very real touchstone uh, issue
1: Yeah See that that scene right there is why I want to see these characters more often interacting with each other. And Larry and and Rita is one of the best pairings. I know it's it's interesting to see some of the other pairings like last season we saw a Larry and Crazy Jane pairing in a in a storyline. But the way Larry and Rita talk to each other and there's so much of it in this in this season. And I think or in this in this episode. And I think it kind of parallels what happened in the beginning of season 2 with Pain Patrol and everything that hap- that has happened with Larry and Rita. I think it just kind of nicely ties a bow on their relationship and their friendship and everything that they've gone through together. There's so much of it in this episode at the carnival, here at the at the manor, and at the end of the episode as well. They're Relationship, everything that they got going on is it, it makes me so happy every time I see them because they talk to each other like no one else does yeah. in this entire show. And when they talk to each other, like Matt Bomber and April Bowlby, they have this chemistry of their own characters, like their individual characters. And then it like melts together, the two of them. Man, it's so good. I tell you, I I think because season one debuted in the spring and season two was kind of released kind of like around June, so in the summer. And then now season three is debuting and, and we're in fall. And there's something about this fall release and it kind of getting into the Halloween season and everything. The whole classic monsters vibe is starting to show a little bit more in doom patrol for me i know i've always kind of taken like oh yeah negative man looks like the invisible man and stuff like that but
0: now or a mummy why did you what i mean yeah i get invisible man because of class
1: the glasses and, and the bandages that's what i'm get saying that.
0: yeah but i think someone would yell at you if you were like if, if you didn't say mummy
1: is that it looked like Karloff, Karloff's Carloff's the mummy? No. Uh I think Invisible Man is, is a much better reference. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. It's that whole classic monster science, you know, robot man. You know, Rita Farr is being like more of a blob than Elastigirl. Mm-hmm. Like and then Negative Man, of course, they have those classic monster vibes and and there's something about seeing them again and seeing them now during this time that I kind of see that a little bit more and now that the chief is gone you kind of do see it as like these experiments walking around and for the first time I'm really like reveling in that aesthetic so to see Rita and Larry interacting I just kind of get the aesthetic a little bit more again like i'm feeling the vibe of of the energy of the manner especially in that scene um just a quick tidbit one of my one of the things i found hilarious in this episode was that scene where he's making the sandwiches and he's making a lot of sandwiches and then it hit me when he packs the lunchbox and i was like oh all those sandwiches were for rita as she goes to the uh cloverton play and then i was like oh yeah she eats a lot i forgot That's it's funny it's pretty scenes. good yeah but seeing Dorothy run down the stairs, it was like that's what I want to see. I want to see more of that. Different characters coming in and out, like they all live together. They all got cordial problems. relationship. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to see a therapy patrol two episode where we just do more of that. So, um, but yeah, what what's going on with Rita is interesting. So. Basically, how this whole episode plays out is once Niles, Cond- Niles Calder has, you know, been put on ice, literally put on peas. Come on, don't put don't on don't put on don't put, put on, on ears. Okay, we're on peas here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it was so cute the way she, Dorothy was like, "I'm sorry, I used all the peas," and like it's such genuine. Oh, I love it. I can't get enough of how adorable this whole cast of characters is. And um, the episode is all these characters reacting about the death of Calder and how it affects them personally. Rita's, in my opinion, is the most interesting because we knew that she had the longest relationship with Niles Calder, like being in that manner. But why... Why did he leave her a note about the upcoming dangers? And why did he say, I trust you the most? That's the part that's got me thinking the most. Does it? So when what did you get out of it? Oh, I think I kinda of feel like
0: I kinda 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 understand. Um, especially what so like you gotta think about it. Niles Calder knows nose. everything. He he's like a a weird contingency plan Batman, but like Dr. Frankenstein Batman, where he's just like... Exactly. Where he's like, no, you're right. Oh yeah, I know what the next step is. I'm going to do whatever because no consequences. And Batman's like, Oh, well there's probably going to be consequences. I guess I'll deal with them later. But Niles is just like, Uh-uh. No such thing, dude. Just go. Hit it. Um. Anyway, so he's always got a reason. He's got a reason for something. There's a reason why he chose Rita to do that. Not because... I think the obvious one would be, I guess she's been in the house the longest. Um, They've been together the longest, clearly. Um, But Mm no, 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 no. So the secrets and all of that nonsense was in relation from what I gathered from what happens at the end of the episode. The character that appears at the end of the episode. Um, That particular character has a lot of similarities to Rita Farr. A lot of yes. similarities to Rita Farr so much so where it could be like arch nemesis alter ego type deal um, or even like a uh, like why do you think Niles kept Rita around Um, you know like why does he keep all of them around because he's trying to prolong his life or whatever and and, and whatnot it it wouldn't be too crazy to think that he already tried to do what he he's doing with Rita like once before um, hmm. to someone that like it occurred like naturally to or whatnot. And was like, okay, well, let me try to induce that and like see if I can play around with that bingo bango. That's who gets appeared at the end of the episode. Um, Beating around the bush. I'm just going to drop it. Madame Rouge shows up. Yes. At the end of the episode. Yeah. And and Madame, Madame Rouge played by
1: played by michelle gomez let's do it thank you um
0: <laughs> perfect so madame rouge does have a very deep past rooted in the niles calder uh mess um love affair if you will if, the, if that's like what we're kind of basing it off of uh from what my knowledge is and i also know madame rouge to be a actress um like vaudevillian type as well so it's like oh okay there's your actress right there. Uh, Madame Rouge has, like, the split personality, the good and the evil. And I think most of the time it's fair to say the evil one is more prominent because they're an evil character. It's a villain. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, so <laughs> if if Niles is trying to find the good side in Rita or try to bring out the heroicness of what Rita is and her power of this trans transformative body... Um, when you need to see the bad side and be like, hey, that's like the end of the spectrum. You don't wanna be that. You gotta be the good side. Like, learn from this
1: person. That's your arch nemesis right there. Yeah. So I think that's similar to like what I was I was trying to think of because I was thinking I was really trying to think like what is it that he wants? Because I I know in the episode she says, like, what am I supposed to do? Continue his legacy. And I was trying to think, like, what was the legacy? I mean, he was trying to live long. Maybe it's her want to be a superhero that he trusts, that he believes that she would be the one out of all of them to want to be a superhero. Is that what he was training them for? I mean, that's something... No. In several Doom Patrol stories, you hear that, though, that Niles Calder made these people to be the heroes to save people from doom they're the doom patrol so optimism mark optimism you're such the yeah optimist. so no so is he like yeah but like believing in this idea that, that they before. could be <laughs>
0: i know they're they're this being like heroes the- on their own account niles calder is not making them heroes he may be trying to do like the scumbag like tough love like i'm gonna i'm gonna what's the guy's name phil specter i'll get you there like that kind of horse shit excuse my french but like no that's abuse
1: um (laughs) (laughs) see well that that's the discourse that happens with the doom patrol it's like they do have that and i think that comes from all the iterations of doom patrol where like now we look at the morrison and pollock storytelling where we do come to that conclusion where it's like no he didn't want any of that but what i'm referring to is like more of the arnold drake S- storytelling, which is now called it being like, yeah. yes, Like, yeah, you guys are created to be the Doom Patrol. You're gonna be heroes. Like, sorry, your life sucks, but you know, you can use this to be heroes. And I think that's what she's thinking. That she does want to be a hero. She does want to use her abilities the way that it can be used for good. And maybe she thinks Niles has chosen her because she wants to be like that. So like she's in the Arnold Drake mindset, and then you've got Absolutely sure. Why not? <laughs> is like Cliff Steele's in the Morrison camp where he was like, nah, you fucked me. You fucked all of us up. Like. Yeah. I don't care. And that's the to kick it over to him, that's the the other side. The the side that we I think us as fans who do think of Niles as a not very good person. hmm They we obviously lean on Cliff Steele to be our no fuck you. This this all was awful. This should have never happened. He's the realist what am of I supposed the reals, to do, Mark. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Mourn for you? Get the fuck out of here. You ruined my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's it's comical. Like it's I can't even like it, it it only makes me like justifying it in my head where it's like well at least he like brought them together they wouldn't have the friendship that's me trying to be a good person to someone who yeah. is not a good person and that's like the terrible cycle you know but hey that's the true test of <clears throat> cliff steel looked in the camera glasses tip um <laughs> it's true test of steel whatever it is to just like what kind of person do you want to be? You know, you, you, the classic superhero shtick, you decide the type of person that you want to be. And, um, yeah. When you give that decision to the Doom Patrol, it's pretty dang cool because normally the Doom Patrol doesn't have that decision or two, they, you know, were never asked. You know, they obviously their powers or, or, or curses were, were, you know, thrusted onto them by no fall to their own um but they were never given like what we like to to refer as to as a choice you know uh and these choices that these heroes have are the really driving force of of a solid narrative um and something that like keeps you interested you know so it's really cool to see like a a version of doom patrol where we get them having to make the choices on their own and hell now that niles is out of the picture i think Maybe the choices of their own will be uh, <laughs> more. Uh, you know, there there will be more of them. We'll get to see some some heroics, I guess, is what I'm alluding to, because um, I think that's yeah. always what we want to see. You know, at the end of the day, it is a superhero movie. There's going to be uh, the optimism, I guess, um, but I think it's it's really cool that the upward climb. Yeah, it's it's always the upward climb, but it's really cool to to figure it out on your own as a fan and and you know see if it it's relatable and just you know be a fan enjoy it this season is going to be oh God it's gonna be awesome. it's gonna be so
1: cool <laughs> I think <laughs> it's, it's so... gonna be uh, oh for me oh uh, yeah, yeah I was gonna say I think it's gonna be very transformative I think that's the word season three is going to be um and i know in the inside look that happens at the end of the episode i remember matt bomber saying that the doom patrol at the end of this episode in season two they've acknowledged what's wrong with them personally like in season one everyone is climbing crawling out of the wreckage if you will season two is all about acknowledging it, right? Like what has been done to you and what is the problem at its core at the root. Now with season three, of course, we're going to have the one-off moments in each episode. We're going to see a lot of familiar faces from the comic books, but the overall story from season three, I think is going to be the next step from acknowledging what your problem is. Like, Real therapy. So, oh, Jesus I think,
0: Christ, we're gonna be doing therapy with each other on these episodes. I'm in it. Oh, you and I strap me in it.
1: Yeah, why not? We do it yeah. every day, don't we? Uh, there's no strapping. We don't strap people to chairs in therapy. We, that's a. We ended that practice a long time ago. Oh. It's very inhumane.
0: Snap. Then I need to like call my local news or something because <laughs> my doctor's office is a
1: whack show. So. The rest of what happens with Cliff Steele, let's let's wrap up his story as well. Um, and, and, you know, you're right about Cliff Steele being told by Niles Calder, like, yes, I was a terrible person. But so what? You've been dealt a terrible hand. What will you do with it? And what Cliff Steele does in this entire episode is he does finally have a resolution with Clara, his daughter. And now at the end of the episode, he's become a grandfather. And I tell you what, Nate, the, the end of this episode, like not only did the Dorothy part got me choked up, but the cliff seal part, the cliff. Steel I part think the part me. that hit, I, and I think I know the the line that hit us the hardest, if I can speak for you safely is the part where she asked him if he can feel the grandchild and he said he couldn't, but he can remember. And boy, oh boy. Did that get me that hit me right in the feels there that really hit me from the, the grant Morrison uh, you know issue was is it 19 was the first one man like and like the did the, the, the panel flash in your head of just like the smacking the head
0: against the wall and it's just like, man that's uh that's tough yeah. that's really tough. and yeah, even it,
1: it got me his uh his second to last issue that Grant Morrison wrote, issue 62, I believe. Where it wraps up Cliff Steele's story in the Morrison run is he's back at those steps, and he is looking at that wall going, I remember smashing my head into this wall, and I still can't feel anything, but I'm still walking. As if, like... And that's something that's going to lead into another character here, but it's like, you... Hate what you've become. You can't feel anything. You only wish to be put out of your misery. And yet you're still walking today. You're still trying to find some happiness. And to see that here at the end of the episode where he's holding this grandchild. And his broken hand is still fidgeting. But somehow it's comforting to the child. Man. That whole scene right there got me choked up because of how heartwarming it is and it felt that way for him too even though he can't physically feel it's there's something chemical going on there that I really <laughs> enjoy it felt really good it's a real f- feel good moment
0: as they call them um yeah I will say, I think the first time we did, I, it's, I think it still happened in the cliff moment. We, um yeah, we it did happen in the cliff moment at first. We get uh, Force Ghost Niles Calder. So I don't know if you want to touch <laughs> on that, but and I say Force yes, Ghost just yeah. because it's blue. That doesn't mean anything. No, the the way that the ghosts look in Doom Patrol, I love it because it looks like. 1980s like it like ghostbusters like it looks like a ghost for,
1: honestly i don't want to say ghost yeah. because i don't know ghost too well but there was a ghost reference i in thought the about show. that too um like it's not just timothy dalton like kind of there and just being like no i'm a ghost now with no cgi or anything yeah right you it's know still, like, like it
0: gets you to act it's still the person like, yeah i'm standing right there yeah sitting
1: yeah modern ghost stories do that where the people are there they just don't make them look like ghosts they're just in the scene uh and this one they do have the ghost effect and i i thought about that too I was like oh they're doing like a weird ghost effect on him instead of just having him in the scene and it's at first i thought the ghost was somehow imprinted on cliff Steele's brain which would have sucked for him but then to know that his body is not at rest, so that's why he's still around is an interesting concept, especially now with the end of the episode kind of teasing something that also happens in the first part of the Rachel Pollack run. I will say I'm very curious, but I'm also really ready to see the Niles Calder head on some ice drinking a milkshake. I'm ready to see it.
0: It was pretty good. That was that made you think, didn't it? When you saw that you were like, All right, there's no there's no other reason why you're not gonna do it. I mean, just give it to us, you know. Yeah, like that's
1: and it's not something that's I That's fan service,
0: baby. That's fan service. That that's, is that's served up
1: perfect. Yeah. That is the fan service. That that to me was like I wasn't expecting it, but man, I've been asking for it. And mm-hmm. I think I think you and I, Nate, I think we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of fan service this season. I think so too. Uh, and, and I, I think and you know what? I'm
0: so G D happy about this season. It's gonna be so we're much fun. We're ready for it.
1: Yeah. It's gonna be so much fun. And, doesn't it feel like it's it's more deserved now? Because like they the writers, they really took their time with season one. In season two, there were, we were starting to get like those kind of fan service moments, but in a way where they could use it to continue the story that they were telling. And one of the big ones was Pain Patrol where we saw um, Jack the Ripper, the butterfly Mm -hmm. collector. And a lot of people were like, oh, that was such a cool character. Why was it only in one episode? Well, why was he only in one issue of Doom Patrol to begin with? And it's because these people have done a better job adapting stuff from the comic books where they do take an interesting character and actually connect it to the whole story that is. This show. So now that they've done all that. Now we get to season 3. And now they're starting to bring in. The brotherhood of evil. And the sisterhood of Dada. Like there's so much. That's like being prepared in this season. That it's it feels like okay. Season 3. Now we can start having fun with the universe. And that's what I'm ready to see. So. Let me see that now it's called her head. let me see that now I can't it's called wait her head. Um, yeah, anyway, so the next character, let's talk about negative man here. let's talk about old Larry trainer. this one is going to kind of kick it back to space patrol, where they kind of talked about how he should resolve his issue with with the spirit with the negative spirit, so uh, what did you think about Larry trainer's arc in this episode um excellent um, Larry trainer
0: is one of my favorite characters in this show and and I'm so so excited to see more negative man um, I'm so excited to see cosmic negative man space stuff negative man that's gonna be great it's gonna be really great um, the the there's not really much like big, I guess big. Um there's not really that much big other than, you know, flying. Uh that really kinda happens. It's pretty much just the coming to the conclusion of be more open minded, especially with the spirit. Um listen to this spirit. Uh Valentina Vostok obviously gave you gave you some good uh notes so you might as well try it out what do you got to left what do you got left to lose it feels um when whenever characters have like goodbyes and i kind of know that it's like well you're not really going anywhere it's like i'm still going to follow you along um it kind of falls flat for me personally in just a storytelling bit but just because the goodbye is just like okay that was sweet it's not
1: not a real goodbye where you know that they're gonna be back in the next episode or something like that yeah and it's it's so, I don't want to
0: say anything you know it's not distasteful and negative any, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't want to say anything negative but uh it's
1: I, it's not I, something it's not like the the cliff steel and dorothy stuff where you actually feel like there's something they get choked up about, whereas Negative Man leaving, yes, Rita Farr is going to get choked up because that relationship is what chokes you up, but not him actually leaving. So the way that I think about it is I'm trying to think, yeah, he's going to be back, but what's going to happen as far as character progression? Like We know he's acknowledging that he needs to figure things out with the spirit, so he goes off to try and figure it out. And at the end of the episode, he seems blissful up there. But what is going to change when he comes back down? Like, is he going to resolve it? Is he going to become more of a rebus figure? Is he going to learn how to do the negative spirit? Go, go fight crime. I'm going to collapse here. Yeah. What's going to happen? It's, it's, Hey, Hey, you know what, Mark? It's all up in the air.
0: Huh? George Clooney. (laughs) Um, no, I'm I'm very excited to see uh there was obviously some negative man um like set photos that I saw that are going to be I guess happening from later episodes <clears throat> some really excellent wardrobe choices. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I can tell. I think I think it might be this next episode if I if I might be able to 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 take a guess.
0: I'm I'm hoping. Um... I'm hoping so. Um so but yeah, what you were saying is that like the goodbyes don't feel as um Detrimental. It's I not guess.
1: The, yeah. It's um, not the go, It's not the goodbye that has me worried. It's more of like, so what's the plan? Like, what's going to happen? Like, sure, you can fly into space. Where? Oh, wait a minute. Okay, maybe, because we do see a bit of a negative spirit homeworld in the Gerard Way comic books. mm-hmm Is that something to expect? Possibly, That's not something I, I had in mind,
0: or maybe, maybe yeah. some sort of just cosmic thing, cause like a you know, big old space cloud, an old parallax yeah. cloud. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like what you were saying, you referenced the um, the Dorothy and Danny goodbye. That was more of a <laughs> jaw dropping and
1: that was aw- a real goodbye. Awesome moment. That, that was-, was a real goodbye. That was a goodbye. Let me tell you, that yeah. was a goodbye. That was a goodbye for like actors. Like,
0: can we bring not, uh, the Danny ambulance to to a safe Comic Con or something? That's a thing.
1: Oh, wow! Okay, who's got the let's, Danny let's ambulance? A, let's find a decommissioned ambulance for we'll sale. We'll bid on it, and we'll and we'll make it look like Danny. Mm-hmm. You writing this down? I'm writing it down. HBO, send us the money. We'll we'll do it. <laughs> we
0: gotta we don't <laughs> worry, we got you. We'll we'll do f- promotion. I don't want to say free yeah. promotion
1: because you gotta pay we gotta get the we gotta get the ambulance, HBO. Come on. Ambulances don't grow on trees. I'm ready to see some Casey Brink from the Gerard Way run. I think the dandy, the ambulance might I don't know. That kind of spurs it in me where I'm like, I'm ready to see some of the Gerard Way stuff involved and one of the other things I noticed was the chair that Dorothy is sitting on. There's like this kind of stuffed animal thing that it looks like she's sitting on. And it re- reminded me of the stuffed animal from Gerard Way's mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, which I think it was called like Fug or something. Yeah, something Am like I that. allowed to say that on air? <laughs> we got to edit that out. Is that why he wrote it? <laughs> um, yeah. So it looked like a reference to Fug and it was nice to see Danny right there at the end I hope it's not the last time we see Danny at least in season three I'm sure Danny will be back probably in a different form Danny world or Danny the planet whatever whatever's in store next for us Danny land hopefully um but yeah I'm I'm excited to see see more of that but yeah just the way that scene ended it just felt like that's an actual goodbye that was that's a goodbye goodbye for abigail that might be a goodbye for timothy dalton because just because willoughby kipling cut off the head of niles calder doesn't mean that now that timothy dalton has returned they could do prosthetics cgi they can do whatever hell the head might not even do anything in the season but he's got the head now the guy made a whole robot man Do it again. Yes, and if there's anything about adaptations, there is another brain robot somewhere in the Doom Patrol universe that might exist, so you never know. There could be multiple. There could be multiple. Metal Men are still probably a possibility. Metal Men, yeah. You know, instead of Will Magnus cutting off the head of Niles Calder, um, well, he did that to save him. Niles Calder technically ripped off his own head in the comic books. But Will Magnus put him on ice. And now you got Willie B. Kipling doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? You know? So, yeah, a lot of a lot of metal men, a lot of robot bodies. We still haven't seen Robot Man 2.0, but uh, we might see it in this season. Who knows? I'm hoping. I'm, I kind and I'm of hoping it's, it's like done a- in
0: the way... Oh. In the way that you want it to be done, that would be... Or in the way that we know it to be done, that would be cool. Um, Silas Stone is still romantic. a character in here.
1: <laughs> yeah, Silas Stone is still in this. Give him the second shot. Mm. That was another thing that happened in today's episode. Let's talk quickly about that. Because, like we said, t- this episode felt like a wrap-up of... Like an actual season finale of, of season two. And we conclude the story... Of Karen O'Balon's uh, 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 Ronnie Evers, and which is in in the comic books, it's Cyborg's best friend, Ron Evers, and he's a different version of Cyborg as well. And so Ronnie Evers in, in the show was a love interest, and they wrap it up by her being apprehended, and it it seems short lived, but I'm curious to think that. She's going to come back bigger and badder maybe later in the season, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't take too long to see her return. But I have a feeling that the way it wrapped up in this season, in the season opener, is going to aggravate her a little bit more. So I I feel like the way it ended, how quick and kind of like, very quick and, 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 and compact, I feel like is going to aggravate her on an emotional level because it wasn't drawn out. So, and we also got to see the quorum facility where she's from, which was a cool reference to her character. Kind of forgot what was going on there
0: for a moment there until I actually saw that it was Ronnie uh, in the elevator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it it's quick. And here's the other thing. Cyborg, who talks to his father Silas. He he was made by Silas to be Cyborg. It's not it's not the Parademon version of Cyborg. It's it, it's not the Mother Box version of Cyborg. We're going back to 1980s Cyborg. The, yeah, where Silas made Cyborg as a superhero, whether Robot he boy. wanted it or not. Robot exactly. boy, Astro Boy, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and. Just because he was built that way doesn't mean he wants to be necessarily, but he was also raised by Silas to apply for the Justice League and all that. Like, he wants to be a superhero because that's what his dad wanted, and that's why he has those things put on him. Mm -hmm. Ronnie didn't exactly want to be, but she is that way. So what's interesting as we move on with his story is thinking like, okay, so you were made to be this way what happens if you choose not to? What happens if she chooses to not either? What happens to the people who wanted that to happen? And you have to think of Silas Stone, you have to think of Star Labs, you have to think of Quorum. Those people who are footing the bill for your technology, what happens when they decide what should happen with your body that they think belongs to them? And I think that's, I think that's why it cuts so quickly with Ronnie Evers, where they're just like, hey, I'm turning you in. You're getting apprehended. You're done. You and I are now considered superhero and supervillain now. Now you get Quorum and Star Labs in the mix, and they go, this is what we want, or this is not what we want. And, and I think that's the part that I'm excited to see. For our final character spotlight, Let's talk about Crazy Jane because I think what happens with Kate Chalice in this episode is is massive. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had several questions the whole time. I just I couldn't understand what was happening until the episode kept going on and on and on and then I was starting to piece together like, what is it that this not Miranda character representing and it's, it's some metaphor of mental illness. Am I correct? How did you respond to what was going on with her?
0: Yeah. I wonder if it was maybe like a, it's like a Munchauser's by proxy type of syndrome where it's like all of, you're trying to keep all the other personalities down and, you know, coddling, whatever. Like, oh, you're sick. Let me take care of you. That kind of Cape Fear bullcrap. Um, mm-hmm. Cape Fear? No. What's the other one? Misery. Um. That's maybe. Um. Maybe there's there's other. Um. You know. Things that I don't even know what would be. What what they would be related to? Cause, I'm not. A doctor, you know, but uh, this 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 figure <clears throat> from the outside, I got real heavy Jane vibes from the uh beginning of uh Gerard Way's run when they do that whole resolution of what happened at the previous end of Doom Patrol, the gene bomb and stuff where it's like, hey, we kind of never finished that. Yeah. Let's do the cult thing. Um So I kind of like got that vibe from it um, but speaking from the underground I'm not entirely sure whatever controlling uh, mental disorder that could be maybe that's 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 a part of it or maybe it was just like the culmination of all of the fear stemming from uh, that idea that, that the daddy figure could come back It's like, because the well exists. Like, why would the well exist if that's like a portal? Shouldn't it's like, okay, like like you did, you close the well up. It's like, close the door. Yeah. You know, it's your imagination type thing. Like what Dorothy was saying, much like that. Obviously, Jane doesn't have that type of, or the personalities are their own, you know, personality. So it's not like a controlling factor, but it's more so of a uh, uh, acknowledging the fear yes accepting it
1: exactly giving it it's see own i like how you terminal i like how you're thinking about it more and more because like the seeing you think about it is exactly what i was doing where i was like it's it's a representation of her fear or her trauma and it's getting worse mm-hmm. and it's getting powerful and you're and not in control stronger. So you're
0: just spiraling and spiraling and spiraling and you are in a literal
1: or a figurative underground so you're just yeah okay And you're like shutting down more and more Mm -hmm. to the point where like that's why Crazy Jane was still like in a coma or incapacitated because of so much weight is upon her that she's just shut down. And this fear or this trauma or this mental illness, whatever however you want to identify it, that's why it says I'm not Kate Chalice's father. I'm not another personality. I am the thing that that is making her sick. And that's the root. Like, that's the root of her problems. That's what exists within her that spurs these multiple personalities. And, of course, it lives within her. Of course, it is a living thing that will continue to live. And when they get to the end of the episode where they, where Hammerhead says... It'll come back like it has to, like it will. That's that's the mental illness. And and the way that that the episode tries to end, where it tries to end with suicide, that's that's the reality where it becomes so powerful, so strong that the character, Kate Chalice, is 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 motivated to ending herself. That's the strength of the illness. And I don't know how they want to call the character. I don't know what they want it to be referred as. But I liked that as a metaphor, especially for Doom Patrol, which is something that we always talk about. These stories being comic books that help with mental illness. All these characters. Every single member of Doom Patrol. That's what makes it so great. And... Crazy Jane has has the closest, you know, her fear almost realized or, or or resolved in such a horrific way. That's that's the power of of these superhero stories, especially Doom Patrol, being able to put this in that kind of allegory. It's that's that's that was the powerful moment for me as far as the characters and and what they were going through. And especially with everything that she was going through in season two, like it started with her abusing the the antidote or whatever um, Joshua Clay had given her in season mm-hmm. one that was stopping the superpowers of Mento and the other Doom Patrol. And then see, season two, she's abusing it. And so they have this whole battle of the primaries and then to come here and almost having that resolution of her killing herself, that is what also reminds me of the end of the Morrison run, where I think at the end of the Morrison run, she's like either lobotomized or she's put down for some reason by a a mental institute, and she goes through this whole thing of, of finding herself being founded by cliff Steele and taken to danny world and it has like this weird bittersweet melancholy feel where it's like i think she's i think they killed her and i think she's in a better place mentally but it's also kind of scary and that's what this episode almost gets to and it's terrifying it's it's so sad it's it's that part had me worried because I almost wondered if they were going to do it because not to kill off Diane's character, but more so being like, yeah, this is, this is the real stuff for some of these doom patrol characters. And that's what had me worried.
0: Yeah, it was scary. Um, scenes like that, especially, you know, in the self harm, uh, docket are or uneasy. Um, for me personally, yeah. um, just because my mind wanders and 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 stories and you know whatnot, it's just it's uh it's it's heavy, doc. But um, what made it even more disturbing was that the Miranda character like knew and w- had the determination. Walking through the halls like briskly, you know dancing and and chipper and stuff and doing that all with like that demeanor is just so dark and brilliant it's it's uncomfortable but it's in a very like good way and it's supposed to be it's supposed to make me feel uncomfortable um i'm glad it didn't happen um much like how we saw the uh the 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 because in Gerard Way's run, remember there was the plane that was going, it was dropping the bomb and they just like got there. Danny, the ambulance got there just in time and you know, yeah. Undid it all and, and whatnot. It, it felt like that. So it was very good. Um, and then even more so was, was after the fact when, when Jane did come back to the surface and, and, and oh boy, when Cliff caught her and everything and, and the, in, like the, without even thinking like that, just the inherent no from Jane, don't touch me. Like that was so real. It was shocking. Um, Yeah. Especially people that, you know, have had unfortunate circumstances where you do have boundaries and, and whatnot. And there is things that could trigger you much like, you know, things of that nature. Uh, especially abrupt yeah. things of that nature um, and just the inherent don't touch me uh, quick and and realization of okay good like I know this person I can accept this person and showing of that good emotion and and allowing that to come forward felt very very powerful to me um, and very rewarding for Jane. I think that's what
1: the show adapts so well I think They do a great job of adapting those triggers that people who are suffering deal with. And Diane and the writers, everyone involved with Doom Patrol, as far as adapting these stories of Doom Patrol, they do it in such a great way that it adapts modern health issues. And so the way she reacts when Cliff saves her is accurate but also it's very nice to see the progress which is when she then goes to hug cliff and that you know thinking about season one where she saw him as a monster and also saw him you know oh you're a father too and the that that word is the bane of my existence the progress from season 1 to season 2 to now the start of season 3 where she's happy to see him again enough to touch him and hug him like that's that's the beauty of it all that they adapt these triggers these mental illnesses and they're also adapting or they're also progressing it they're also trying to make this a better place for all of them that's what doom patrol is like that to me What happens right there in that moment and what happened with Dorothy and the Candlemaker in the beginning, those are the Doom Patrol moments. So I'm not expecting a fight between Dorothy and the Candlemaker. And I'm not expecting a fight between all the personalities and this not Miranda or even Miranda and the Candlemaker. Like, they there's so many times in the show where they try to like set you up for a showdown of superheroes or, or something like that. And it's not that. So they tease it just to be like, yeah, that's not what we're about. This is what we're about. Actual progress for the human spirit. Like that's the beauty of it. So just a fantastic start to season three. Um, I wonder what it would have been like if it was the end of season two. Um, it would have felt like a nice step, but and then they kind of tease Madame Rouge at the very end, and and setting up who knows what's gonna happen. So, um, but that's all I have for this one, Nate. So I think we're gonna have to get ready to sit down and talk about episode two, which two and three are also here. We have to watch those. We gotta talk about them. They they gave us three episodes again. I don't know what it is about this release format. What I don't know why shows do this now. It's just but it's give you give you enough content to uh I guess hold you over. I don't know. I wonder if it's like the comic book issues where they have like, you know, how crawling from the wreckage was a four part issue. So there's like here's four issues. I wonder if maybe two episode two and three are also interlocking with what's going on here and maybe it sets up rest of the season almost like a trilogy it's all serial i guess serialized yeah exactly so i'm very curious to see what happens in um i almost said tomorrow's episode but it's here now so in episode two and episode three so let's go ahead and wrap it up if you guys enjoyed everything you heard you can find us on all social media at radio doom patrol and i guess we uh we can probably promote a patreon for dueling genre since we're now part of the network so if you guys enjoyed everything else please check out all the other great, amazing content that Dueling Genre has to offer, which there's so much of it, I can't even list all of them. Uh, If I could highlight one of them, it would be Geek by Night, which is a superhero audio drama written by Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez, which is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. So if you guys are into superheroes, which are normal people, uh, in my opinion, plagued by superheroes that have been thrown upon them, Definitely check out Geek by Night, and we'll catch you guys later. DJ, please take it away.
0: Oh, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember the monstrous piece of trash that was Niles Calder. May his yellow bellied soul continue to rest in pieces here on Do Patrol
1: Radio.